Hi, I'm Steve McCoy and welcome once again to another episode of the Raw McCoy podcast, where we explore the wonderful world of natural health to hopefully enlighten you even a little with evidence-based light-hearted chat and also empower your whole lot so you can take control of your health and well-being. I'm here once again with my good friend and human behaviour specialist Michael Adams, who as part of our Mind Health series will today be looking at the topic of what's real to you, where we'll be exploring the three P's as Mike coins it. They are perception, perspective and proximity. Hi Mike, it's great to have you here. Great to be here and quite interesting because each one of those P's could be a show on itself. It's going to be challenging getting it all in, but let's let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So if we look at neurolinguistic programming, NLP for short, which uh, I've definitely dabbled in, and you and I have had various conversations in the past about. Anyone who's familiar with uh, with NLP will also be familiar with the fact that as human beings, as individuals, we generally and naturally we delete things we distort things and we generalize things which play into how real anything actually is Mm -hmm. you know we're constantly Mm -hmm. deleting things from our minds that we don't really want to remember Mm -hmm. we distort things and embellish them Mm -hmm. um, and we generalize we know a hell of a lot Mm -hmm. but here you have these three p's perception perspective and proximity. So I'd really love you to dive in and, and give us an idea of, of what you actually mean by, by those and how those, those three things, in essence, affect our view and take on what's real. Giving you a shortened version of each. Well, perception is actually expectation. It's what do we expect from any given situation? How do we interpret the situation? Because our interpretation is also based on our expectation. So quite simply put, perception is expectation. Expectation, whether it's being delivered on or not. So perspective. Okay, perspective. Now, perspective is very (laughs) interesting because your perspective is informed by your perception. It's informed by your conditioning. Perspective is layered. So we have a perspective that can come from the stance of being a male or a female, can, that can come from the stance of being a child or an adult, that can come from a stance of religion, politics. So perspectives are being formed all the time and they link with your perception. Because that was going to be my next question. The, you know, what's the actual difference between perception and perspective, therefore? And I think that hopefully <laughs> I've just clarified... <laughs> that was going to be my question I've before just, you've explained yeah, it. Yeah, I've just clarified that because ultimately our perspective comes from that conditioning, whether it be cultural, religious, all of these things are all part of that makeup. Sure. And now we're on to the, the third P. Proximity. Yeah. Now, proximity, I I think, is one of the most fascinating dynamics of us as human beings. And the reason I say that is because our relationship with proximity is something that we, we don't fully understand, we don't fully take notice of. A good example could be we hear about, you know, something horrendous like like a, a bomb on a tube train. And of course, we're we're horrified. 
you know, we may even go home to the news to find out sure. a bit more. But that whole thing changes when we know somebody who was on the train. Mm, very true. All of a sudden, our attachment to it is very, very different. Now, I've used... Uh, and that's the term where we hear things like, wow, that was close to home. Absolutely. Our proximity to it in that respect. Now, we're doing this all the time because when we have a look at somebody who's got diabetes and I'm now caring for them, my proximity to that, rather than it being something that's happening to somebody else, changes. My perspective changes. Uh, my whole relationship with the disease, with the person, changes. Mm. So, again, proximity plays a huge factor in our perception and our perspective. Because I may have had a different perception based on my proximity. I mean... It's big. That, that is, that's, that's huge. And I mean, huge on a personal level for myself as someone who, for a number of years, having maybe heard the term dementia and Alzheimer's, who then went on to become a carer for my mother who had Alzheimer's. Absolutely, great example. And the, the proximity of that was, I mean, massive on a day-to-day -day basis, caring for my mother and actually seeing the deterioration over time. What it did for me was anything that was based around uh, dementia, based around Alzheimer's that, that came up in the news that I could get my hands on in terms of reading, I was going off to, to caring courses. The proximity was so, so relevant that, I mean, this resonates with me in, in such a huge way. Well, it resonates with you in, in a very profound way because it's the reason you started the Royal McCoy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The very platform, the very reason why we're here is because of that. So I think that when we look at the, the three Ps and we understand how interwoven um, they are and we start to understand the, the dynamics, particularly of, of proximity, where that changes everything. The closer you get to something, the more real it becomes, all of a sudden your perspectives and your perception of what's happening completely changes. Yeah. So being an observer and being in it are two different experiences. Completely different, completely different. And how would you say, having now given us the explanation of the of the three Ps and, and how they can, in, a, in essence, kind of, they're interwoven? Because I, I think you'd agree that they're not, they don't, act independently they are interwoven absolutely right? not but we also have this this area if you like of beliefs which we've often inherited whether that be from parents from family from friends uh, wherever they may have come from which again as we know aren't often real they are these thoughts or, or as we call them beliefs that we have developed inherited uh, over time and how that feeds into what our reality or our version our idea of of reality actually is well this is a really interesting area it's an area that particularly psychologists have been fascinated with ever since the, the study of psychology uh, you know begun sure and Really, what we're really talking about is intuition because the choices we make initially are intuitive. They are the things that we don't have to think about. 
The complexity begins when we begin to recognise that your intuition and my intuition can be different. Very often when we use the firm, oh, you should know intuitively, the assumption is your intuition is the same as mine. Right. But actually, no. Intuitively, how you respond to a situation may not be intuitively how I respond. And that's because we may be informed and conditioned from different places. And our intuition is our first thought. You know, in psychology, there's two levels of thinking. We call them the two systems. The fast, fast thinking, slow thinking. Fast thinking is the stuff that we don't even have to think about. So that's the subconscious it, on it subconscious just subconscious. Level, right? It just comes to it's programmed. It's what we do. We think about it fast. That's where our intuition comes from. Sure. Slow thinking is when we step back from it and go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Now, I could say to you as a good example. So, of yeah, Give us some second, examples of those. Oh, I'm going to give you a simple example. One and one. Two. There we go. Uh, 375 times uh, 293. Now that's a bit trickier. Right. <laughs> now you're having to think. Not only are you having to think about the problem, you're actually, your subconscious at the fast thinking level has worked out, I need to multiply here. Mm -hmm. So it's first thought is what system do I need? Right. Secondly, it's now let's do the math based on what I've learned. Mm. But the fact that you generated the thought that it's multiplied, it need, uh, there's multiplication there and you didn't have to think about it, means you've conditioned that. Right. You've already, you've tooled yourself up. Now we're doing that all the time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with the food choices we make, with everything. There's things that we think about in our... Uh, uh, intuitively, whether they're good for us or bad. Mm -hmm. The assumption is if it's intuitive, it's good. Not always. Right. And going back to the fact that that a lot of these, these beliefs uh, that we have inherited, which, which form our, our actual belief system, uh, some good, some not so good, as we know, some serve us, some don't serve us so well. It's interesting because... I probably going back a uh, year ago now, I was with uh, a friend and she asked me if uh, if I could you know, accompany her. She wanted to, to buy uh, a car. And we went to the went to the showroom to buy a car. And um, she's looking around at, you know, at these various models and colours mm -hmm. was something that she seemed to be very clear about, mm -hmm. very definitive, mm -hmm. and more so about the colours that she would not mm -hmm. consider. Mm -hmm. They were a non-starter. Mm -hmm. And one of those colours was green. Mm -hmm. And so I became quite intrigued as to why green was off the list. <laughs> so I asked her, why is it that a green car is a no-no for you? And... What I found quite fascinating about that was she had to think about it. Mm -hmm. And so as she thought about this, she cast her mind back and she said to me that actually she remembers her father always saying that green related to grief. So the colour green for him meant grief. And he passed that on And that was passed on to her. Mm -hmm. Now, I found it hugely interesting, the fact that when I look at green, green for me means nature. 
Absolutely. It means life. Yeah. It means all of those things. So intuitively, you've tuned in somewhere else. Completely. Yeah. And But what I found interesting also was the fact that even when we had this conversation and I explained to her my take on one more green would, would be, and, and she got to this point of almost recognising that that actually what my father said, although it meant, you know, led to it being or related it to grief, it, it, it could, the colour could relate to a number of other things as well that mm-hmm. actually were more positive. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, Oh, interesting. So maybe now green is, is, you know, is, is back on, 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 uh, you know, on board as being one of the colors that she may choose. No. <laughs> no. Although she related to the fact that it, 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 uh, it could mean other things. And that, and that's because it's embedded. Yeah. So therefore you're not going to achieve that goal in one visit to the car showroom. Mm. Yeah, that would be something that would need to be worked on over a period of time so that they can change their relationship with the colour. What you did was actually made them aware that their thinking may not be rational, but it doesn't mean that they could change it instantly because that has to happen over time. Over time. And and, and that absolutely is what's going to have to happen in this yeah, case. Yeah, and, uh, but it's an interesting example yeah. and a simple example. Um, strangely enough, I had a smile on my face whilst you were saying it. Um, again, both of us, and we've talked about this before, are, uh, you know, football is something that comes into our, our lives. It and does. And uh, particularly um, when the subject of Arsenal comes up with you, and I've actually, I'm thinking of, a gentleman I know, his name, he's also Steve and he's a Tottenham supporter. And when we are um, playing football on a Wednesday night, as we do, and we have to hand out the bibs, he refuses, absolutely refuses to go in any team that has red. Because that's the colour of the greatest team in in, in the UK. And that is the... (laughs) Now, Now, the fact of the matter is, actually angers him it brings emotion he's serious he will never play on a, he'd rather go home that's interesting and he takes it to that and when you go back through his history their family are lifelong tottenham supporters right, right. he's picked it up from his father right. you're supposed to really dislike those people right, over there. nothing right. good comes out of that so therefore nothing good comes out of the color red mm. Wow. So the association that's is not pro- that's just profound. Oh, Mike. Yeah. It's not just um it's not that from a simple game of football where Arsenal associated with red, therefore nothing good can come out of red. Wow. Absolutely. Taking that won't have red items in his food. <laughs> Steve, if you're listening, whew, you're on, you're on, you're on a different level, my friend. Absolutely. So with that with that said, with all these illusions, these beliefs, these perceptions, word, perspectives. Illusions, great word. With all of those things, my question to you, Mike, is how do we actually know what's real? Wow. Wow, you really did. You really <laughs> did. Um, you really did uh, put that there. Now... There is a there is actually an easy answer. Okay. Um, which is, if it's real to you, it's real. However, I know that's not the answer you're looking. That's for. <laughs> you know me well. <laughs> right, right. Um, the fact of the matter is, we do paint our own realities, and I think the question is really, how do we know we're being rational? 
or irrational mm-hmm. because that's actually that's really what it comes that's down really to. what it yeah. comes down to at the end of the day and we find that most of the time particularly in terms of human behavior and judgment and perspective proximity um all of the things that we've talked about we are creating realities that are not necessarily rational there is a large portion of our lives that are lived out and played out in that irrational space and also because we can collectively validate each other mm-hmm. so if i think in a certain situation this is how you should you should behave and other people validate that because they've picked it up from their parents like i've picked it up from my parents that's okay it's okay for us to be irrational it becomes our reality and we play it out so ultimately it's only when we step back from it and go is that rational like you did with the lady with the green color you actually said hold on a minute let's detach the fact that you've been taught that and let's just have a look at that and for moments you had to accept another had to accept the possibility of another reality yeah and that's that's the that's the key is that there are there are possibilities. And sometimes when you're challenged on that level, you know, people's default is, that's just me. This is what I do. Mm. That's I've how heard I that. I've heard that yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah, It's embedded. And, and so that's where the work begins. So it's really starting to understand, is that rational? You think about it. Is it rational when uh, you don't like spiders? There is a spider here that we know is harmless. Um, you are a human being that is, I don't know how many times bigger than a spider, uh, a house spider, let's say, but it creates the living fear in somebody, something that cannot hurt you. Well, it's irrational. Well, listen, uh, I am someone who is uh, six foot one in height, you know, fairly well built, I'd probably like to, to say. Yeah. And I recall having uh having a phase going through a phase where i had mice in my house Mm -hmm. and i opened the kitchen door once went in turned the light on and this mouse ran into my foot and then we both ran the other way (laughs) (laughs) in opposite directions and big grown ass big here i am and 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 you know i'm gonna i'm gonna admit it to to uh to anyone who's listening that I was terrified. And so how rational is that? Well, yeah, not particularly. Um, but, but, but when we then trace that back and you understand where did you learn to be terrified of mm. a mouse, you'll find, you'll be able to track back there. You'll be able to recognise it. Might be, this is what people do on TV. On right? You'll see the comic books when you grow up. There's a mouse, people jumping up onto the... Sure. Onto the you'll see that... It, that it's been that subliminally you've been receiving those messages. When you see a mouse, you get out the way. When you that that's how it works. Whether it's rational or not doesn't come into play. So it sounds as if you're saying, and, and again, which has been the theme throughout this series of uh, of podcasts, is that we are looking at the self talk that we need to have, and that's where that's where it all begins. Constant. It's it's absolutely it's absolutely constant. I'm I'm considered a human behaviour uh, specialist. I change nothing in you, absolutely 
nothing. You change it. It's about what you take from what I'm saying and the dialogue that you create, whether that change occurs. Any therapist, human behaviour specialist, who is saying that they're making that change, no, we don't do that. We're not God, right? The change, you are making that change. It's you, What we may be doing is facilitating an environment, creating the triggers that allow you to that allow you to make change. But ultimately, that change has to come from your dialogue. And if we can influence your perspective, your proximity, your perception, then what we'll do, it's still for you to take ownership of it. That makes total sense. And I suppose when we look at, again, what's real to you, my question here as we you know as we move as we move forward in wanting really to find solutions is if we chart this a is to start having that dialogue with your you know with yourself Let, let's say we recognize now that uh, after having had that dialogue that my perception on 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 this particular issue or on things generally are not serving me these are not the sort of thoughts I want to have or or I see as as, as being why am real. I so invested in this situation absolutely why is what's it the next it, yeah. what would be the next step then for for someone having those sort of thoughts where they're now you know the first step of awareness is there yeah I mean again it, it's stepping back through it's that ability to stand still and recognize why have I invested so much in that situation why am I responding this way, I'm, you check your perspective, you check your proximity, you check your perception, you have a look at where's that coming from, how is that informed, what's it, what is it in my, in my, um, in my belief system that is making me make these decisions in this situation? Um, understanding that there is a dialogue going on that you may need to change. Rather than just running with it with acceptance. I mean, we got a close friend, um, you know, we'll call her Jenny because that's what her name is. Yeah. Right. And she laughed at the fact that I described her as having a cast of thousands running forward in certain situations. <laughs> and that's, in fact, what happens. Mm. It's like you have all these little soldiers in your head come running forward in a situation. Sometimes you need to recognize you're in control of the army. That brigade doesn't have to come charge until you say so. So true. And that's that's effectively where we go. And as I said, this was one of those podcasts where we could just go into oh, yeah. this for each one of sure those. But could. I think I think that we we've we've got a grip of really the, the the key aspects that we need to touch upon. And I'd love to revisit this subject again. Fantastic, Mike. Ever so grateful for again your insight into this uh, into this topic, and appreciate your time with us here on the Raw McCoy podcast today. No problem. Look forward to Mike on the next episode, which will be our final episode of the series. It's depression or dejection. And we look at how you know whether you have either and what to do. Look forward to tuning in to the next episode of the Raw McCoy podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Raw McCoy podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget that you can subscribe in your podcast app so you never miss a show. And you can also catch up on all our podcasts at therawmccoy.com.